to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us. October's finally finished. November has begun, and it's time to start battening down the hatches and getting ready for the winter season. Today's episode, we're talking all about huga and cozying down for the cold winter months. But first, Lindsay, how was your week? It was pretty good. We were quite busy just fixing up one of our rental townhouses with the kids. And so there was a lot of work, but you know what? Good work, right? And it was good being there with the kids and them seeing all the work we're putting into trying to build a future for our family. And so just cleaning up after a tenant left for multiple days and then cleaning up our own house still as we finished up with that flood restoration and trying to return everything to normal now as our winter season is approaching. (laughs) How was your week? Our week was good. You know what? We had our second week of skating lessons. It was actually the third week, but I missed the email saying that it moved times last week. So we were back at it this week. The kids are trying to learn how to skate. And we had thought last year that maybe we could avoid this whole um, ordeal of going to a weekly lesson. And Phil and I tried to take the four kids by ourselves to public skate and teaching them. But it ended up with most <laughs> all of us just lying on the, <laughs> lying on the ice. So <laughs> this year they're in lessons. And <laughs> last week was their second week. And uh, I know I posted this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, but I'm so impressed by how uh, they're toughing it out. Like it's so not easy learning new things and skating in particular is something that like once you have it, you, you have it. Um, but oh man, figuring out how your body moves on two blades, <laughs> it's not natural. No. So, um, yeah, Phil and I have been having a great time watching the kids, uh, and being inspired by their tenacity and, um, the kids are enjoying the, uh, the bribed hot chocolate afterwards. That's great. Good for you guys. It's something that none of us can do. And so I admire you guys for trying. (laughs) We can't yet. So maybe it's something our two families can explore (laughs) together over the years. Okay, time for our weekly etiquette tip. And this is our, uh, we called it our Scandi episode. (laughs) So Lindsay, today's etiquette tip has a little bit of a Scandi aspect to it as well, right? It sure does. It is the, um, we're going to look at the word lagom, which is a Swedish word. And it just simply means just the right amount. And it's kind of like in our tradition, it's the idea of temperance. And so the etiquette part of lagom is the idea of taking the one slice of cake or one cinnamon bun when you're having your break but not two and it's not passing it up it is enjoying it but it is just taking the right amount and if you could if some if you say to somebody uh, I'm gonna have a cup of coffee and then they might ask do you want milk in it and you say yes and then they say how much you can just say lagom and they'll understand in Sweden that you want just the right amount of milk and what that means so just the right amount. And that is going to apply to so many of the things we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. I find that so interesting that they'll know how much milk lagom is. And it makes sense, right? Like if somebody were, if if somebody tries to tell you, oh, just a little bit or, okay, I like a little bit, like that gets confusing. But if they were to say to you just the right amount, I actually feel like I would know what that means. Yes. Yeah. And you would have to specify if it was more or less than that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I guess um, at Tim Hortons, 
here in Canada, <laughs> they have a machine that lagons it for you. <laughs> <Don't> you <laughs> probably have a button that says lagon yes. that we just don't know about. <laughs> this is just the right amount. Don't give them more than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that they that they don't turn stuff down either. You know, and we can generalize that the Swedes are a very healthy people for the most part. And so they're not like turning down that afternoon cinnamon bun. They are enjoying it. They take it. They enjoy it. They don't give it two thoughts, but they don't reach for the second. And I think that that's really interesting. Yes. And uh, when we have our after school tea time with the kids, um, I try to, I guess, um, without meaning to, we try to adopt legum. They always, kids always ask for more right. uh, treats. And especially when it's uh, like a baked good treat, like cookies or a slice of pie after dinner or something like that. I know some of my kids have a really hard time when as parents we say, no, that is enough. And um, that's something that we teach our kids and that we can also remind ourselves that we can have a, a little taste, we can have a little bit, and then know when is appropriate to stop. My family did not lag home yesterday because I baked two dozen muffins and they were gone in an hour. An hour. <laughs> oh my. I don't even see the point of baking at this point because yeah, that is, it's gone so quickly after so much work. But um, yeah, I think it's a really great idea. And I think going into this discussion we're going to have on Huga, um, you know, we're going to talk about food and we're going to talk about um, purchasing things and getting treats or alcohol and that kind of thing. But the idea of just having the right amount, I think is a really, really good concept. Okay, so this week's topic is on huga, and it's not spelt like the way it sounds. So um, just as a brief disclaimer, before we begin our episode, we are going to try to take on some Scandinavian vocabulary. Please be patient with Lindsay and I. But uh, when we talk about the huga lifestyle, it has just blown up in our culture and it is fascinating to watch. So today we're really going to explore why we think that is and why we think um, people have so become so fond and so attached with this idea of cozying down and bearing out the winter months with good food and good company. So Lindsay, do you have an exact definition of huga? I do. And this is coming from the, I'm going to look at it, yeah, Scandi Kitchen Fika and Huga cookbook that I have here. It's written by Bronte Orwell, who runs the Scandi Kitchen restaurant in London, England. There's a great interview with her uh, on the Tea and Tattle podcast that we reference so many times, which is how I first heard about her. And her cookbooks are gorgeous. This is the winter one, the Fika and Huga. She has the summer in the Scandi Kitchen, and she's just releasing right now her Christmas one. So just absolutely gorgeous cookbooks I can recommend. Her definition, and she is from Denmark, so she can she can give the proper definition, uh, is a word that originated in Norway but is now mainly used in Denmark. It means a sublime state of inner warmth or satisfaction you feel when you are spending time with loved ones and nothing else matters. Huga can be enhanced by the addition of a log fire, a good movie, a cup of something warm, and a sweet treat. So that is the definition. Oh, I want a huga right now. <laughs> in our closets. Where we're oh, in our closets, yes. Go so to can, our Facebook page to see our yes. silent offices. <laughs> I think that's a good point because could you huga right now? Is it about stuff? Is it about a feeling? What are your thoughts on that? And and where did you first hear about huga, Michelle? Mm. Um, I actually heard about, oh, how does that pronounce? Kushla? Mm -hmm. Kushla? 
Kushlik? Kushlik. I heard about that one first and I liked it. And uh, you were talking about how you liked it more because it sounded like coziness. Yes. And that's how I pronounced it in my head was cozy leg. Yes. And so I immediately thought that I love that. I love any concept that uh, suggests that you could spend your life under a blanket yes. <laughs> lying on the couch. But just, um, you know, I, I in the past have had a really hard time with the winter months. And I am always a cold person. And I start to get a little bit lonely and a little bit uh, just my my outlook gets a little bit down after a while. So I was so intrigued by this concept that you can not just survive the winter months, but thrive in it. Absolutely. I first heard about it, I believe, and it's a couple of years ago, I think it was a Canadian Living Magazine article, and it was about how to survive winter. And I thought the same thing, I need to survive winter. And I, and that's, you know, that's really what winter is here in Canada. Like you just have to mm-hmm. endure it. And I'm never going to ski. I'm likely never going to skate. I might cross country ski. I might snowshoe, but let's just say that these things are not part of my winter. So there's very little to look forward to once Christmas mm-hmm. is done. <clears throat> so when I first heard about Kushleg, um, I just fell madly in love with it. I wrote a blog, a post about it um, maybe two years ago, and I just told everybody I knew about this concept. And it just really started to change our family and it changed our life because I really looked forward to winter. And I have to say that that first winter two years ago was a very mild winter. I think it snowed only three times. And I'm like, no, not the winter I'm ready for. I'm ready to endure it. And it's actually mild and the grass is still green. <laughs> but we I need snow. Yeah. Yep. We hoogered our brains out that year. But it, <laughs> it was not a really bad winter to get through. And it was almost the same thing last year as well. So I'm kind of hoping for a lot of snow this year so we can really cozy down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. Like there, there's almost like um, a weather element that needs to be present yes. uh, for the book understanding or like the definition understanding of huga is that if you're going to light a candle inside there better be howling winds mm-hmm. right outside your window pane and it better be rattling you know but i need the whole family home too and i think that that's what, because then i'm just worrying right if it's if it's bad outside oh, and sure. jason's out on the roads and i'm like hey everybody just needs to be here and then the blizzard needs to come but we also need to be fully stocked in all of the alcohol and food <laughs> and then we're ready <laughs> we're very demanding on huga yeah. <laughs> Oh, but you know what? We were discussing there is a real heart and a real art to Huga. And those things can be rather subjective. But the at the heart of Huga, uh, we were kind of questioning each other, like, what is it about this concept of Huga and coziness uh, that is really striking a chord with the culture at large. I think it's really interesting when we're such a digital, modern culture, especially when we mm-hmm. talked about our social media, right? We we said this in our social media episode that we think we're connecting with people all day long and we're not actually connecting with anybody. And then so to see something like Huga take over, really just dominate the culture in the last year or so, really speaks to me of how we're still missing that connection. Because you while you can Huga alone, it's really really supposed to be a communal thing. It's supposed to be welcoming people into your home or being with your family. You're, you're really supposed to be with other people. And so I, I really see that as a sign that we are lonely and that we are looking for that 
deep feeling of connectedness in our communities. You can just picture these Danish communities and, and communities in Norway under a thick blanket of snow, and they're all trudging through that in the dark, right, in their long, dark days, and then going into each other's warm houses and talking together and still feeling that sense of community. So I think that that's what we're really hungering for, uh, you know, out here in, in Canada. Yeah, for me, it's like the this visual of sitting around with a bunch of people, because if the weather is uh, bluster, a little bit blustery outside, there's no like wandering in and out the way that you would socialize maybe in the summer months, in warmer months, people kind of uh, can walk in and out and they're walking around. But when you're hunkering down, you are all together. And it's that connection that kind of brings the conversation and makes it lively and it comes to life there's I don't want to say there's no escape but yeah um, you have to engage yeah absolutely you know you're in for the long haul because when it's time to go you really have to make that trek home on bad roads or, or whatever and so it is it's just that idea of yeah hunkering down and just okay so it's more of a feeling like what we want to say is that we really feel it's been over commercialized because you know as soon as a trend like this comes on then they start selling all of the things you quote need to huga but as you and i are saying it's this feeling and we have the power as the homemakers whether we are moms or not we are women in our homes and we have the power to create that feeling and uh i remember I think back to my marriage, um, I had a, I don't know, a couple of weeks spell a little while ago where I was, um, quite grumpy and my husband said, but you're the heart of the home. Your mood is kind of tempers the whole house. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're sad, we're sad. And I got mad because I'm like, oh really? That's even more pressure on me. So mm-hmm. my happiness, you know, or my mood will affect all of you. Oh, that's just more pressure on me. But I realized what he's saying. He's like, no, 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 no. You are truly the heart. You are the beating heart of this home. And so we want you to be happy so that it feeds back to us. And when I, when I understood it like this, I realized how much power as a woman I have and that mm-hmm. I have this ability to create this home that has that feeling. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but we get to create this with our families. And so one of the things when I started doing this a couple of years ago, um, my husband would text me in the middle of his work day and he would just say, Huga tonight. That's all he would write. And I would go, yes. And that's all we would say. And I knew that he started to build up that idea in his head while he was at work and wanting to get done work so he could get home to that. And that motivated me to get everything cleaned, to pull out the candles and to plan for our night. And I would rush to clean the house and we would get those kids to bed early so we could exp- have that Huga that we had mm-hmm. both anticipated all day. And it truly was life-changing for us. That's so good. And I love to think of it in terms of what it does for children in a huga environment as well. And like what you were saying too, as mothers, we bear um, an even greater opportunity to create this for our own children. Mm-hmm. But I can even think of going to um, going to people's houses as a child myself. Maybe it's family members. They may not necessarily have kids themselves. But if they were people who embraced that kind of a huga lifestyle, then as a child, it made me feel secure and safe. And I felt I could relax because I felt loved and uh, cared for. Like people cared that I was there, that they cared that I was a part of 
this whole uh, scenario and this social setting. And I keep thinking, coming back to that when I think of my own children. And, you know, hookah is so much more than just the candles. And the candles, I think your definition right at the beginning of the episode is like it can be enhanced by those things. Yes. But hookah itself is really how are the people in the home feeling at this time. I love that. Yep, me too. And I think that we all can, if we look back to our childhood, um, pinpoint there was, like you were saying, somebody that unintentionally created that warmth in their home. They, they just, there's just people that do that without having to try. And what we are saying here is that it is something that you can create without spending all the money. And I sat down with my kids when we first started this and I'm like, what, what does home mean to you? you know, and they're like, well, it's coming in after a busy day and taking off our boots and all settling in. And it's you and dad in the kitchen laughing and did all of these things. And I'm like, oh man, I can do this. And I thought, kids. yeah. And I'm like, that's exactly, you know, one of the things too, that I remember is being a kid and going to bed and hearing the adults still talking downstairs as you fall asleep. Mm. That is, mm. these are just things that, um, w- means so much to the formation of our children and they're so easy for us to do. Right. And the one thing I love about huga and this concept of huga is that it is kind of indulgence in a sense, right? You indulge, but it's a contented indulgence. Yes. And the emphasis, the emphasis is on being content with what is immediately surrounding you. With yes, who is yeah. immediately surrounding you, right? And then indulging in it. So it does have this like luxuriating quality to it. And I think that's maybe why one of the reasons it res- like it resounds so la- so strongly with us Languishing in our culture in today. Yeah, we can languish in yeah. something that we don't even have to look past our own front doors yep. to find. And it's the complete opposite of the of the world today, right? It's like literally yes. the complete opposite of coming home, bright lights, sterile environments, technology. It's like all of it's just the pendulum going completely the other way. Mm-hmm. And for me, in in my childhood memories, um, it was being involved in conversations. Yeah. Uh, and as you get older and older, conversations with the grownups. I remember so vividly; it was almost a nightly thing that we would linger over the dinner table, just my family, uh, my mom and dad and my brother and sister and I, and we would talk about all kinds of things. Sometimes it would just be funny, silly stuff. Other times we would get into really deep conversations about what we think, uh, something about politics or something one of us was dealing with at school. Often it was a religious discussion. And Uh, When I look back now and what about my own childhood made it warm and inviting and safe, uh, it would be those after dinner conversations. And you know what? And I love that your family did that. I really believe that that sets the bar for how our children will want to live their lives as they grow up. That, and I think that that's a really critical part of our child rearing is that we want to set that bar high for them so that they mm-hmm. create this with their own spouses and their own families one day. And again, it's not about material success. It's about them going out into this world and wanting to be those people, those people that invite people into their homes and that cook the meals and that stay around the table talking and then create those memories with their children. If that's what my children go on to do in their lives and their futures, I'll be one happy mom. Mm-hmm, for sure. 
Now I follow you on Instagram, and so I know that you know how to hookah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are some of your favorite ways that you do uh, bring hookah in? Like, are there uh, specific decor items that you do put out to help foster this atmosphere or well I call myself a hookah ambassador and so I'm (laughs) from the beginning I'll notify Denmark yes (laughs) Yes. she's here (laughs) Um, so yeah I I am a hookah professional this has been years in the making and so um Again, it's very, it has to be deliberate. And so we, when we get our kids to bed, um, we always, like I've said before, have a very clean main floor. We, that's part of the night. We clean it all mm-hmm. up. We light all the candles. I have to say, I worked at Pier 1 Imports for 11 years. So there was a period where I was a little over candles because that's all <laughs> I might, and that's all I purchased. So there was actually a couple of years where I didn't light any candles, but now I'm back. And so get all, all the candles. Um, I have one of my favorite things is Ikea has those, they're like tall white metal. They look like lace um, candle holders and they're dirt cheap and they Mm -hmm. spread the most beautiful speckled light coming out of them and that flickering of the light, right? Like, isn't that just so amazing? And we bring out, so I also have um, a big garland with the white lights hidden in it that we put on our fireplace that I don't Mm -hmm. consider to be Christmas decor. We bring it out um, first week of October and leave it until March. And it's on almost all day long so that the um that changes we obviously bring out the throws that we have and we have quite a collection and i change all of our pillows to softer um fluffier materials and uh and then we tend to not um be on our phones in the evening when we're doing huga and we put on music on the record player so you get that scratchy old-timey record sound totally yes. Huga, right yes and um then we have our usually dark drinks we switch from like the gins and the vodka and the light beers and um we switch to our darker drinks for the winter and my husband and i sit and talk by the candlelight and let me just tell you you look fantastic in candlelight like we all just I can look tired at the end of the day but I have that candlelight's on in there and you're with your husband and it's warm and the music is on uh and so that's how my my home really changes and I really and we've been doing that a lot more with the kids too in the afternoon because I homeschool, we will close the curtains and we will light the candles and we'll do our read aloud time by candlelight and kind of create oh, that in the afternoon that. with kids as well. Yeah, they love it. We get a baked snack out and we do our story time. So what about your house? How do you huga? Well, we have been kind of new to the game. So we're a little bit, uh, we're in, in the building phase of Huga, we'll say. So one thing that we've been, well, I've been working on intentionally the last few years is uh, building a really awesome store of throw blankets. And it's not the cheap kind. I will add like one, maybe two a year. And I want to be very deliberate about the kind of blanket that I bring in. I want it to be soft. I want it to be large. So to me, there's almost um, like, it's so frustrating. It's the opposite of Huga. If I grab a throw blanket and I can't cover both my shoulders and my toes at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, as you can imagine, it's kind of awkward to be measuring these things out in a store. Um, that's why I can only go in once a year. <laughs> <laughs> Create a spectacle. Um, 
but yeah, and I'm not picky about where they come from. This year, Costco had a really amazing one, and the the underside of the throw is just the softest. I've caught my son Thomas several times just rubbing his face, like nuzzling, cozying up to this side of the blanket. The other thing that we're going to try to do this year is uh, re-hook up our gas fireplace. The room that our fireplace is in, we've kind of made into the kids' playroom the last few years. And we could just see, at the time when we moved, we could see all kinds of bad things happening <laughs> with that fireplace hooked up. So we have had it disconnected, and I look at it every winter, and it's almost like, well, do you remember the IKEA commercial? With the lamp? Oh, do I? Did yeah. you see that they put the updated version? They they I finished the lamp story this year. Oh my gosh! Well, I'll have to because I'm very invested in that. Oh my poor gosh! Little lamp. Very much. Yeah, I can't even believe you haven't seen it. They totally did a second part to it this year. Oh my gosh! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up for immediately after we're done recording. But that's how I look at my fireplace every winter. It's like, oh, you feel sad for the little fireplace? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. So hopefully this year that is reinvigorated because I am, I feel very cold, like down to my bones yeah. in the winter and winter is long in Canada. And then just some, um, some good TV shows. Like we've talked about Chef's Table before. To me, when I think of Chef Table, it's like a chef's, chef's table equals hygge oh, totally. to me. Yeah. And there are some specific episodes, especially, I guess, the Scandinavian ones in particular, but just the whole atmosphere. It's quiet. It's moody. Yeah. Uh, it's thought provoking. Um, so, yeah. Those, those would be my things. Yes, oh. that's exactly the one I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> and can I just tell our listeners that if they watch the Favikin episode with Chef Magnus, um, Magnus, um, they can also watch Mind of a Chef, which is also on Netflix, and they do a whole season on him. So you get to awesome. see Favikin through all of the seasons in one year, and it just is going to make you have all the Scandi feels. Oh, and one more thing. Yes. Scandi Noir. And you mentioned Chef's Table, but Scandi Noir is a whole um, genre of TV shows about murder. Here we go again. <laughs> People are going to start being concerned about oh, us. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, calls. I didn't even realize it until we started talking about it. That our, Every episode, our repeat listeners are going to know that we end up talking about murder. These just nice Catholic moms of eight kids <laughs> Who have a very dark side. Yeah. <laughs> so Scandi Noir um, are these great shows like police dramas. Um, and then a lot of them have been adapted by the BBC into British versions. Uh, so some of the ones that we love, not all of these are adaptations, but it's that same feeling. Um, is One of them is called The Killing, and that one was an adaptation. The Killing is so good. Um, also Shetland, Broadchurch, or there's also Nouvelle Noir. And so we just saw um, Bad Times at the El Royale. It's out in the movie theaters right now. Just these dark movies. They have sometimes a little bit of humor in them, but... It's just mm -hmm. a really popular trend right now. So you cozy down with one of those movies that's set in the barren landscape of the Shetland Islands or in Norway or, or Sweden or Denmark. And so you watch these movies where these like police dramas unfold. Oh, that is awesome. We did Broadchurch last winter and I can 100% recommend um, that that show will just suck you right in and not let you go until it's done. Yep. And I'm talking the series, not the season. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Okay, it's time for our weekly segment of what we are loving this week. Lindsay, what are you loving this week? I'm still loving Nigella Lawson. I just can't shake Nigella Lawson. I go back to you her. Can't. I just can't shake her. I just I go back to her all the time. <laughs> and you and I were both saying that her Christmas specials are Huga, like personified. It's just everything about the sparkling lights behind her, the jazzy Christmas music, uh, the food she's cooking. It's just, it calms me. And we've had such a stressful month. And so when I've had my afternoon tea, um, I've, I'll pop on a little Nigella. And some of it's on YouTube, but I do try to purchase episodes on iTunes. Two of her series are available for purchase on iTunes. I wish they'd put all of them on. Mm-hmm. Um, but hers and actually Jamie Oliver's Christmas specials are really well done too and I've purchased those on iTunes and I'll notice my kids will actually come up and curl up with me and they're like Nigella puts me in a trance I'm like she totally puts us in trances (laughs) right and so we'll just sit and that is one of so it's totally Huga and I love it so Nigella's Christmas specials and her series in general and another person that's put the children into trances and puts me into a trance <laughs> and that's always a good thing calm children yes. is a trance. Yep, is father wolf <clears throat> and he's a catholic mm-hmm. priest and it's wolf w-o-l-f-e and it's father philip wolf he's an f-s-s-p a fraternity of saint peter priest so he's a traditional priest um his his sermons are all over youtube on the census fidelium channel and he has um uh, Veritas and Caritas, I think, website. Anyways, I'll check that later. But all over YouTube, a lot of these priests don't actually want their names out there because they don't want people to be devoted to them. They want the message to Mm -hmm. always be about Jesus. So sometimes um, you won't recognize that it's him until you actually hear his voice. It might not have his name, but anyways, his homilies are (laughs) outstanding and so calming and so edifying. And so I have to say when Michelle and I were talking about what, you know, we've been loving this week, it's been Father Wolf all day, every day in my house while I've been cleaning, getting stuff done for the last week. So just really, really needing to hear the things he's had to say. Uh, mm-hmm. And also one last thing, as winter is coming and we're going to hoog it down, I'm going to run out and get our favorite winter beer, which is, and it's always sold out. So if you do see it, scoop it up. It's it's made by Granville Island Brewery from British Columbia, and it's the Lion Winter Ale. I'm not a beer drinker, but this is like drinking caramel and warmth in a cold beer. It's just Ooh. delicious. It's just the perfect hygge drink. So what about you? What have mm. you been loving? Well, um, I want to say I've been loving that beer, but that will have to be (laughs) (laughs) in the future. Um, I'm rereading a book that I just come back to, it seems, every winter. And so maybe that's why I consider it uh, hookah-ish to me. But it's called 10 Ways to Destroy the Imagination of Your Child. It's not as dark as it sounds. Um, <laughs> it's by Anthony Esselin. And what I really like about it is um, two things. The first is the way it is written. So if you're familiar with the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, um, it's written from the antagonist's approach, right? So in order to prove, uh, prove its point, and for this book, it is um, really a book on how how we can encourage imagination in our children and wonder and awe, but it takes the opposing view to really make you think. And I find that that style of writing is enough to keep jolting me back to the issue at hand. So it's so jarring 
um, the intent of reading the book, which is to safeguard imagination. It's jarring to hear it put in negative terms all the time. So it really keeps my mind um, enraptured with his content. So I would highly recommend it. It's very captivating. Again, it's called 10 Ways to Destroy the Imagination of Your Child by Anthony Esselin. And on a happier note, my second of what I'm loving this week is um, a cookie recipe that I shared on Facebook last week. And uh, it is a double chocolate pumpkin cookie recipe. And I've made it far too many times this week. Then that is then is appropriate. <laughs> we can't keep it in the cookie jar. They go so fast. Uh, and I just keep having to make it. So I found this recipe on a blog called Everyday Reading. And it, they are just so decadent and so rich. You can really only have one. It's one of those kinds of cookies that feels like you're eating a brownie, but it's not as thick as a brownie because it's a cookie. So you can have two. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that would be my other love this week. I screw up every cookie recipe I make. Do you think I could handle these? Um, I think so. You know, are your cookies, do they taste good? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, on it, yeah. So I can bake, I can do other things, but I am just yeah. can't do cookies. And my children have said that I need to master that before they give me grandchildren. And <laughs> I, that was one of my. As soon as I quit my job, I was like, I have to master the chocolate chip cookie, right? Like I am a stay at home mom. I have to nail the chocolate chip cookie, and I have not done it. I've written about this many times on Facebook. Everybody has tried mm. to help. This is like the critical failing of my motherhood. It has been a community <laughs> effort. People have come over to help me and they're like, I don't know how this didn't turn out. It turns out every time for me. And I'm like, it's something about me. And so, okay, so yeah. that's, that's what I mean, though, to say you talk about mastering a cookie. Right. But for me, I love cookies so much that my standard of what mastering <laughs> means is very low. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I should just lower my standards, which is actually our advice for almost everything in life is just lower your standards. <laughs> Lower your standards. A little bit of lagom when it comes to your expectations and cookie baking. <laughs> and we have come full circle. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh we're good. We are good. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week, Lindsay. We do want to thank everybody for joining us. And we do want to thank you all for whoever's giving us these five-star ratings on iTunes. That was really exciting to see this morning when I logged in. And they finally have actually, we've gotten enough ratings that they show that we have five stars, that that's the average rating for us. And so we want to thank everybody for that. Um, if anybody else does love us and want to help out with that, that really does help our visibility on the platforms for podcasting, specifically iTunes. So thank you for listening. And you can find us on Facebook at The Modern Lady Podcast and on Instagram by the same name. And how else can you find us, Michelle? Right. And you can also find us on our personal Instagram accounts. Uh, you can find Lindsay at Linny Autumn. And you can find me at M.M. Sachs, S-A-C-H-S. And we would love to see you on there and to really encourage and foster this community. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next week. Mm-hmm.